Hey everyone, it's Candace Eisner back with you again this week. And this week I wanted to give you a little food for thought about being a regulated professional, being non-regulated, joining an association, which should you do, should you do all of the above, none of the above, those kinds of decisions that we face as health and wellness practitioners. Welcome to Life Beyond the Massage Table, a podcast for massage therapists, or really anyone who works in health and wellness. I'm here to help you take a look at your business and practice in new ways, to think outside the box, and to shift gears from the same old stuff that isn't helping you build the life and the business that you really want. Let's get started. Hey guys, I hope you are all having a really awesome week, whatever time of year it is for you right now. As I record this, it is beautiful outside here in Toronto. I recently just got back from the West Coast. I just ran my marathon and it's been it's been quite a quite a journey for me. And uh, yeah, now I'm back and figuring out a schedule for this here podcast for the summer. I'm looking forward to recording a bunch of episodes for you guys. Now, this topic is Maybe not one that you were expecting, but it's something that I've been kind of chewing on a little bit myself and I've also experienced in the past and I realized it would probably make a good podcast episode because there's a lot of things to consider if you're new to your career or you're switching careers or you're um, moving from one place to another, all those kinds of things, or even like you're looking at a completely different career. Like you're not even in healthcare right now or, you know, wellness or fitness and you're thinking of making the leap. There's a lot of things to consider. So yeah, it's something I struggled with personally when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for a career. You know, I was in my early 20s. I was working in a doctor's office, mostly regulated health professionals. But we also had like someone who wasn't regulated, a shiatsu therapist. I think I think she had an association membership, but you know, shiatsu is not like you say a regulated health profession with the Regulated Health Professions Act here in Canada and in Ontario, right? So we had, so I was exposed to her plus like lots of regulated professionals, nurses and doctors of all different kinds and uh, phlebotomists, which, you know, aren't regulated in the same way. But anyway, all different kinds of healthcare people. But as well, I've been giving this whole like, should I join an association? Should I not join an association? What's the benefit? Does Is it worth it? Should, you know, I don't know what to do um, kind of stuff when it comes to my new path working with nonprofits, because... Um, Even though there isn't regulation of fundraisers or people who work, you know, as executives or any other job in nonprofit, there's no regulation in that way, in the way that you regulated healthcare. There are various associations that you can join. And when you when you join those, it does give your resume and, you know, you as a person sort of an additional level of professionalism that people expect. Or at least, you know, in the eyes of, say, the public, uh, your donors, if you're, if you know, in the nonprofit world, your clients, that kind of thing. So I've been giving this a fair bit of thought recently. And I bet a lot of you, if you are in that phase of your, your life and career, are thinking about these things. Or maybe you are later in your career, but you've been thinking about, well, maybe I should finally join the association. Or, well, I've been thinking about maybe moving to a different province, all that kind of stuff. So this these kinds of issues can come up at various times in your career. So you might be in one of these situations. For example, 
you might be thinking of embarking on a completely new career in health and wellness, and you might be thinking something along the lines of, should I become a registered massage therapist, or would it be better to just do massage and not have to worry about all those provincial exams and the provincial licensing and all that stuff? I don't know. What do I do? Or you might be, say, wanting to become a personal trainer, but there's a bunch of different paths. There's CanFit Pro and there's other, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a personal trainer, so I don't know all the ins and outs, but I do know that there's a bunch of different um, trainings you can do and associations you can join. And each path has a little bit of different difference to it. Plus, you can be a personal trainer without any of that at all, actually. Um, you know, there's no like law that says it. It's only like your employer that that would be having certain requirements, right? So like, what do I do? Which which one do I, you know, if you want to become a personal trainer, which one do I do? Um, what should I do instead if I don't want to do that? That kind of thing. Or you might be in a situation where the area where you'd like to work isn't regulated, for example, shiatsu therapy, because I already used that example. But you can join an association that kind of acts like a regulating body and, again, gives you sort of some clout, if you want to call it that level of professionalism. I don't have to do it, but should I? Like, those are kind of questions that I'm talking about here. So if any of that relates to you or you're curious about it or you've been thinking about it or you want some food for thought to advise others on it, well, here's some thoughts on it based on partly research, partly my personal journey, and partly talking to some others about it. So first off, I want to make this clear right off the bat. There is no one right answer. Being regulated by a college or a governing body has its positives and its negatives. There is no, you know, sort of uh, perfect world where it's all rainbows and unicorns and your career is perfect. Like, that just doesn't exist. And I think you guys all know that, but I'm just saying... Some people kind of have this a little bit chip on their shoulder that like being regulated is the only way to go. And other people have this chip on their shoulder the other way that like they would never want to be regulated. That's too much for them or they don't they don't want to have to deal with the government or whatever, you know. So please don't let someone else's biases and that includes me because I'm, I'm trying to be as unbiased as I can here. Don't let their bias make the decision for you when you're trying to decide on these things. Do it based on what you want and need, okay? Because no matter what your situation, the first thing you really need to understand is what you want to do in your career or the like the career you're entering or the career you're thinking of entering. And it's totally okay if you aren't sure what you want to do. But you at least need to have some idea of like your interests or like what area you'd like to work in or what kind of people you'd like to work at or a clinic you'd like to work at, a specific work environment you'd like to be in. You know, you need to know your passions and your goals somewhat, right? Because obviously if you're thinking of, say, becoming a registered massage therapist or going to school to become a nutritionist, there must be some reason behind that, right? It can't be just like one day you woke up and decided to just do that for fun. Like most people don't do that. So examine like your reasons. Why is it you want to do that? So for example, if you'd like to work in a healthcare setting with regulated health professionals, like you'd like to work at a doctor's office or a chiropractic office or a multidisciplinary health-related clinic that works with women's health or whatever, very likely you're going to need to be regulated. Like that's just the way it is. And if you've chosen a career that isn't regulated in that way, you're probably going to have to join like whatever association is known to be the most respected one so that you sort of are at the top of your game, if you want to think of it that way. That way you're showing these people that you're serious about what you do, you follow certain ethical guidelines and all that really important stuff. 
Now, this isn't to say that people who don't join associations or who don't become regulated health professionals aren't ethical ethical, by the way. I'm not trying to say that, hey, if you're not regulated, you're unethical. That is not what I'm saying here. But if you want to play the game, if you want to go into a very healthcare, like regulated healthcare environment, you need to play by their rules. And that generally means that you need to get the certifications, memberships, etc. that they expect. That's just how it is. So that's one factor for you to consider. Another factor you need to consider here is insurance coverage. Now, I only know the Canadian situation. I've talked about it a little bit in past podcast episodes. Those of you in the U.S. or other countries, sorry, I can't really speak to your situation. I do know it's very different in the U.S. depending on like where you live and what you know package you've purchased and all that. But I honestly don't understand the ins and outs of the American healthcare system. Um, Certainly, if anybody if anybody wants to like tell me about what it's like as a as a like say non doctor or nurse, so like if you're a massage therapist or chiropractor or physiotherapist working in the U.S. and you want to tell me about what it's like, like what kind of insurance coverage you know is available to your clients, um, I'd love to hear about it. Actually, please do send me an email, Candace at HappyLittleBiz.com. More than happy to uh, read about that. But yeah, I can only speak to the Canadian situation, and here's what that is. Most insurance will not cover treatments done by non-regulated professionals. That's just the way it is. Now, of course, the caveat is sometimes regulated means you've joined an association or other body that requires a certain standard of education or proof of years of experience or both. It doesn't always mean regulated by a college, like the College of Physiotherapists, or the College of Massage Therapists, or whatever. It might mean like a whole, a quote unquote, holistic practitioners association, or it might mean that you you joined like a specific provincial body that is um, acts like a regulator, but they're not the same as like regulated under legislation with the government. If that makes sense to you. So if you want to have that insurance coverage available to your clients, if that's really important to you, you need to play by their rules. So in some cities and towns, that's super important. Like in Toronto, it's fairly important, I would say. Somewhere like Ottawa, I think it's actually more important because to tell you the truth, a lot of people work for the government and a lot of people have really good insurance coverage. So for the most part, they want to go for treatments that are covered by their insurance. I'm not saying everybody is that way at all. I'm just saying that's kind of the vibe that Ottawa had. At least it had 10 years ago when I lived, well, over a little over 10 years now. But when I lived there a little over 10 years ago, that's definitely the environment that you were working in. But anyway, yeah, you need to keep that in mind as you're making your decisions. Do you want to have insurance coverage available to the clients you're seeing? Like, is that really important to you? If so, then you need to make sure you go into profession that is able to be covered by most insurance plans. So, okay, that's all fine and dandy. Insurance and regulation and all that stuff. But what if you aren't in that situation and you don't give a crap about that in terms of like, I don't want to work in a healthcare facility, like as in I don't want to work in a hospital or like sort of a traditional healthcare environment. I don't care about that. I don't care really about the insurance coverage. I think I can make a go of it without that. Um, well, what do you do? Well, if you want to work for yourself and your target audience doesn't have or doesn't care about insurance, and you don't have any other obvious reason, like super obvious reason why you want to join an association or become a regulated health profession, well, what do you do? Well, there are a bunch of factors I would like you to consider. Here's some things that I have considered in the past and others have considered. 
So the first thing to look at is what's the program of study like for what the what the profession is that you're looking at? Like, again, I, you know, I often use massage as my example. And I'm going to do that again here. So let's say you're at the phase of deciding between becoming a registered massage therapist, so fully regulated by the province, if you're in Ontario or BC or one of the other regulated provinces, or going to school for shiatsu massage, which is not a regulated health profession. You can join um, associations and there's various levels of sort of self-regulation there, but they're not the same as RHPA, Regulated Health Professions Act, regulated, right? You're choosing between those two. Well, examine the programs and see what you actually think of them. Like, try to ignore the other factors. Just look Just look at the programs. Um, how long are they? What are you going to really be learning? Um, do they provide opportunities for you to work on clients while you're there? Um, what's you know, the reputation of the school? Can you earn an income as a student practitioner while you train? These are all things to consider. Um, by the way... In most, if not all, I don't know for sure if it's all, but I believe it is all, uh, regulated uh, provinces in Canada, if you are training as a registered massage therapist, you are not allowed to work um, on the side as like a student massage therapist. Actually, now that I'm saying that, as soon as I started saying it, I realized BC may have different rules around this. I know Ontario, though, is very, very strict. They're basically like, if you are in training to become a registered massage therapist, you are not allowed to do massage for money at all, period. You're allowed to do it at the student clinic, but you don't get the money. The clinic gets the money, like to, to run the clinic. You don't see any of that money. Um, maybe if like the client like slips you some money for a coffee, which used to happen to me when I was in student clinic many years ago. Sometimes they'd be like, don't tell anybody, just go buy yourself a Starbucks, you know, which is, hey, I appreciate that. Sure, I'll take it. <laughs> but yeah, um, whereas if you are in other programs, you are allowed to work as a student therapist. I mean, this is a different profession, but a friend of mine who just finished psychotherapy training, during her uh, training years, she was allowed and actually expected to work as a psychotherapist, as a student psychotherapist. She was expected to find an office, set up clinic, and start seeing clients. Mind you, you know, it, this wasn't like willy-nilly. Like her, her supervisors were like hearing from her weekly on how things were going and stuff. It's not like, you know, and it wasn't at during her first year. It was after she'd done the first year of the program and she was more ready to start seeing clients for psychotherapy, right? And people knew she was a student because she made that super clear that like, I'm, I'm a student, you can't bill insurance for this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. My student prices are very inexpensive. But yeah, some professions, they allow you to work as a student therapist. Some don't. And that's something important for you to consider, you know, because we all have to pay our bills when we're in school, right? So that's the first thing to think about is just all that schooling stuff. What's that look like? Is, is it attractive to you? The second thing to think about is like, just what's your personality? Are you a super entrepreneurial type? You like to do your own thing. You don't like to be told too much what to do. Or do you feel more comfortable being an employee or a contractor type situation where someone else calls most of the shots, you get to make some decisions, but for the most part, you sort of come in, do your job, and then leave at the end of the day? Well, here's the thing. You can be a regulated health professional or a non-regulated health professional in both of those situations, the entrepreneurial situation or the more sort of employee contractor type situation. But I will tell you that at least here in Canada, the regulated health professions have more options in terms of work environment. 
So many of the contractors where the workplace takes care of you for the most part, those are usually regulated health professionals. I'm not saying always, but usually. But as a regulated health professional, you can also work 100% for yourself, have a small business, call all the shots, mostly, which we'll get to in a minute, etc. Now, there's a certain amount of flexibility as a regulated health professional, and the fact that you have a license is a big part of that. But on the other hand, most non-regulated professionals end up fully self-employed because there's just not a lot of places that are do like big clinics for non-regulated professionals, right? There are some, some of them exist in Toronto, some of them exist elsewhere. But if you're in a small town or a smaller city, chances are you're going to have a hard time finding a place that is looking to hire, say, a shiatsu therapist or a Reiki therapist, right? It just, it's just way less common. So if you're super entrepreneurial, um, you can do either. If you want to sort of more walk in and have most things provided to you, you might want to consider the regulated health professions route, or at least the one that's mostly regulated, like... Um, Osteopathy is a good example. They're not regulated, but they're sort of pseudo-regulated by a by an association, and they're more respected. And you do see more osteopaths being hired by cl- like clinics that have like massage therapists and physiotherapists and kinesiologists and etc. So so yeah. Before I go down the rabbit hole about that, that's something to consider. Is like wh- what's your personality? Do you want to have full entrepreneurial? Uh, control or are you more likely to be happier as an employee or a contractor where someone else does most of the work in terms of like setting up the clinic and all that stuff. So on a related note, let's let's move on here. Regulated health practitioners, at least generally speaking, don't have too many issues explaining what it is that they do. You know, sure, there's issues with the public not understanding certain aspects or abilities. That's always going to happen. You know, massage therapists complain about it, but honestly, everybody complains about it. Like doctors sometimes get really frustrated that like patients don't understand. Either they expect them to know too much or too little. It happens to everybody. But overall, in the broader sense, all RMTs get the same base education, all chiropractors do, all physiotherapists do, etc. And that's part of being a regulated health professional. And people know that. And people kind of have an expectation. But with non-regulated professionals, say Thai massage or nutritionist, not a dietitian, but a nutritionist, a personal trainer, a Reiki therapist, life coaching, any of that kind of stuff, there's no one accepted base education like there is with a regulated profession. And what that means is you're going to have to do a little bit more work for people to understand who you are, what you do, why you're important, how you can help them, and all that kind of stuff. It's a little bit trickier to market, so you need to be comfortable with that. You need to be comfortable with the idea of really making people understand what it is you do and why they should pay you money. Everyone needs to do that. But it's a little harder when you're a more holistic therapist or holistic practitioner uh, in the wellness space and less in the um, regulated space. But on the flip side of this, regulated health professionals or people regulated through an association, well, this is the thing that I hinted at earlier. They have some strict guidelines to follow and fairly hefty yearly fees to pay. Now, here's the thing. I'm absolutely not saying that this is a bad thing. Guidelines are good. Ethics are good. The fees usually go towards regulating the profession and making sure everything's on the up and up. Like, this is all, 
This is all a good thing, but it is something to consider, right? If you want a lot of freedom in how, who, when, you know, et cetera, you treat or work or advertise or any of those things, well, you might want to go into a less strict profession because that's part of parcel of being a regulated health professional is there are some rules. Most of the rules are wonderful. They make 100% sense. You would never argue with them. However, there are always some rules where you kind of shake your head and you go, why are you limiting me so heavily? For example, when I first became a massage therapist, here's an example from, you know, uh, 2006, there was still a policy at the time with the College of Massage Therapists in Ontario that we were not allowed to offer package deals. Now, there was a reason for this, but honestly, the public kind of expected it, and it also makes a lot of sense from a marketing perspective to be able to offer package deals. Now, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole as to whether you should or shouldn't offer package deals and like why, but just that was a big limiter. Eventually, they had to change that policy because it was seen to be like limiting people's businesses too much. There's still some stigma around package deals, and again, I'm not going to get into that, but... There's one way where like your regulator is doing something that you kind of go like, huh? Like, I understand why we have to have regulations around like the way you speak to clients and like treating sensitive areas and washing your hands before you do a treatment, which I hope everyone does regardless of whether they're regulated or not. But some of the stuff like advertising rules, that kind of stuff, it's like, oh, you're limiting me a little too much here. This is hard. It's hard for me to get my name out there when you've got so many limitations on me. So it's something to consider, you know? So yeah, regulation is good for a lot of reasons. It helps protect the public. It makes sure people meet a certain standard in order to do their job. It weeds out people who aren't really fit to be a healthcare professional in the first place. That's that's great. That stuff is good. But it can also limit you a lot, you know. Um, for another example, I didn't experience this personally, but I know others who have. Rules around treatments you are and are not allowed to do, even if you've taken the training, are very ethical, you understand the risks, your clients would be fine with it, sometimes your scope of practice can stop you. Now, an example that I'm going to give you, RMTs here in Ontario, at least as of maybe six months ago, I haven't checked to see if it's changed, as far as I know it hasn't, they're not allowed to do pelvic treatments, like treatments for pelvic pain disorders that women have, okay? For example, or for example, um, as a doula to help during birth, it would be awesome if massage therapists were allowed to do these things. Um, but last I checked, now this may have changed. I I don't check on the regulations as much as I used to, but it used to be very strict. Women, you know, um, like uh, massage therapists were not allowed to do those kinds of treatments at all. Period. No matter how much training they had taken, that was uh, you know limited to say physiotherapists and other types of practitioners. But if you're not regulated, nobody's telling you that, right? So if you say you're a doula um, but and you've taken tons of extra training and you feel comfortable doing massage in that area for a woman while she's trying to give birth, great. Go ahead. You know, you're, you're not going to have a regulator telling you you can't. Your client's consented. It's all good. Go for it, you know? So it's just things, things to consider, right? Um, now, to be clear here, I just want, again, I want to be super clear before somebody, you know, comes at me and says, what do you mean out of, you know, we shouldn't be doing things that are out of scope and blah, blah, blah. I'm not proposing everybody just start doing pelvic treatments willy nilly just because I said that, you know, you could if you're unregulated. No, 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 no. 
What I'm saying is if you and the client agree and you've got lots of training and you understand the risks and et cetera, then you go for it. It's the same thing for any other type of treatment whatsoever, okay? Um, just make sure that everybody is clear with it. It has clinical indication, et cetera. But yeah, your regulating body is going to limit you in some ways that are going to seem frustrating because like, for example, to me, I don't see any reason why a properly trained massage therapist in the right circumstances couldn't do pelvic treatments on women who are dealing with all kinds of pelvic pain syndromes. Massage therapists would be excellent at it with the right training. Why does it have to be only other therapists, right? Other types of professions, right? So yeah, that's food for thought for you guys about that stuff. Now, Let's talk about the issue of associations. Let's you know, get away from that, you know, your regulating body limiting you topic, because I, I don't want people to think that I'm saying regulation is bad because it's not. It can be good, it can, but it has its you know, negative sides as well. So let's talk about associations instead for a second. Another thing to ponder here is, are there other benefits of being part of the association you'd like to have other than like literally like the initials after your name, you know, because often if you join an association, they, they give you like this certified whatever, you know, title that you're allowed to use. Not always, but often. Um, or member of whatever. So like, for example, if I were to join the... Um, if I were to join the uh, Association of Fundraising Professionals, I could put like AFP member after my name, for example, that kind of thing, right? So, so yeah, um, but other than the initials, are there other benefits? For example, do they offer liability insurance, which would be great for, you know, when you're working, right? Do they offer discounted gym memberships, which, you know, hey, we all like to, you know, save money. Do they list you on a website where people might be searching for practitioners in your area? Are there other benefits? You know, do they have a, a conference that's free to go to or like a local work group where people talk about, you know, issues within the profession? Like whatever it might be. Look at that stuff. Don't just think, well, you know, it's $200 a year and I can't afford it. Forget it. You know, I mean, if you truly can't afford it, okay, you know, maybe work towards being able to afford such things. But um if you if you're just looking at the dollar value, you're missing out. So you know, think about if the benefits are worth it, and see if it makes sense for you to join that association based on those things. If the other factors aren't so important to you, and now that we've talked about that, let me talk about another thing that a lot of people tend to miss when it comes to thinking about whether or not they want to be regulated or unregulated as a health or wellness or fitness practitioner. And that is local bylaws. A lot of people don't realize that in order to work as a self-employed person, there are rules. <laughs> you can't just, you know, suddenly decide one day that you're self-employed and, and that's it. Um, there's licensing and fees and all kinds of things. Um, for example, here in the city of Toronto, where I live, you don't need any other special licenses in order to work if you are a regulated health professional because being regulated is enough. You know, you already pay a lot of money to the province for your for your license as a regulated health professional. That's enough. You might need a business license if you open a clinic or something. You know, chances are if you have a physical location, you are going to need a license. But you don't need additional licenses as, you know, an individual practitioner, right? But... If you want to do something like shiatsu or reiki, reflexology or Vedic medicine, they have like a whole list of these things. 
Well, that requires a holistic license from the city and membership in an association that they approve of. And they, like they have this big list on their website that you can look at and the list is changing all the time. Now, sure, some people practice without the license, but let's be clear here. If you get caught or if you ever need a city permit for something else, like for example, you want to do renovations on your space, you know, someone's going to notice this. You're going to end up in a sticky situation probably because you don't have the holistic practitioner's license and this could cost you a lot of money and fines and be a real pain in your butt. So it's up to you if you want to fly under the radar, but I'm just saying there are licensing requirements by the city of Toronto if you want to be a holistic practitioner and this is not, you know, this is not uncommon. Lots of, I believe the city of Ottawa also had those regulations. Just I, I never looked into them there because I wasn't truly considering um, practicing other than as a regulated professional. So yeah, that's your call. And that is all the things that I have to talk to you guys about today. You know, I think we've probably made this episode long enough. We're almost up to 30 minutes. So do I think that everyone should become regulated health professionals if they're going to work in health and wellness? Well, no, I, I really, really don't. Anybody can be good at what they do as long as they work ethically and respectfully with clients, you know, respecting clients' boundaries, they get proper training, they, you know, and they know when to refer out. I think that's really important too. If you've got a situation that's like way beyond your abilities, it's, you know, it's like tell them that. Say like, like, hey, I really don't think I should be treating this. I think this is beyond my my scope. I would suggest you go see whoever it is, right? So anybody you don't have to be a regulated health professional you know i i mean don't uh, one other thing i will say very briefly here is please don't call yourself a regulated health professional if you're not and vice versa like if you're a massage therapist and you've never taken any like proper training and say thai thai massage but then you put thai massage on your business cards like who are you to do that don't be doing that let the thai massage practitioners do the thai massage you do your you do regular well regular quote unquote you do the massages that you've actually been trained in but it works both ways if you've been trained in thai massage don't go don't go putting registered massage therapist on your business cards just thinking you'll get more clients when you're not registered right like that's just i mean that's out anyway because uh, that's a protected title so let's let's not talk too much about that but just say what you really are don't try and like pull the wool over anyone's eyes just you know be who you are but it's okay if you fall on either side it's totally fine you can be regulated you can be unregulated you can get one membership as a nutritionist or you can get a different one like whatever makes sense for you and the path that you want to have with your life you know because there's there's pros and cons to both sides and there's pros and cons to all the different ones so give it serious thought before you make your final decision that's all I'm I'm saying here um another thing I'll say is that I don't recommend just becoming a regulated health professional purely so you can bill insurance I don't think that's a good idea. Like if you're just like, oh, well, I want to be able to bill insurance. So clearly I want to become a, a massage therapist. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure that's actually what you want to do? Give it give it some more thought than that. And I don't recommend avoiding becoming regulated just so you don't have to pay for the expensive provincial exams and provincial licensing. Because as we've, we've just talked about, sometimes you have to get licenses anyway. So these are factors, but just look at the whole picture, you know, and 
anyone out there listening to this who kind of has that chip on their shoulder that they think that the regulated health professions are idiots because they, they're, you know, they have to be, they have to go under a regulating body and like they have all these rules or the people who are regulated and they have a chip on their shoulder saying only the regulated health professions are good and anybody who's not shouldn't be working and they're just a fraud or any that kind of attitude. There's room for everybody out there, guys. You know, just do what you're awesome at and you will find the good clients. And it doesn't matter whether you're regulated or unregulated, as long as you are a good person and you're respectful to your clients and you're respectful to other people who work in the health and wellness space, it's all good. So yeah, that's it for this topic today. I hope this was helpful to some of you trying to make those decisions, you know, whether you should join your join the association, not join the association, be a regulated health professional, not work as a regulated health professional, all those different things. And if you have any more questions about this or you want to talk about it further, my email inbox is open to you. Once again, that is Candace at happylittlebiz.com. I can't promise I'm going to have a new podcast episode next week, but I will have one very soon. We are just getting back into our production schedule. So give me give me a few weeks and we'll figure all that stuff out. All right, guys, take care and I'll be back with you very soon. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. I really do appreciate your time and your efforts. The times that you guys contact me with ideas for the podcast or comments about episodes or ratings and reviews, all of that, I really love it. I read all of it. I do really appreciate you guys. Um, By the way, if you would like to leave me a formal review, of course, I would really appreciate that. Head on over to iTunes, find my podcast, so Life Beyond the Massage Table, click on ratings and reviews, and then just give me a rating and a review. Five stars, of course, and a glowing review. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. You know, let me know what you really think, but I do appreciate five stars as well. Let's be real here. Now, for you guys that might be new to the podcast, let me briefly introduce myself here. My name is Candace Eisner, and I am a former massage therapist in the province of Ontario, and I've also worked in various other health and wellness careers. So I've got a pretty good view of what it's like to do what you guys do. My mission right now is to help those in health, wellness, and fitness careers build strong businesses because I really believe to my core that taking care of others has to start with taking care of you. So that's what this podcast is all about, is helping you build a business that really matches who you are and what you value and what's important to you so that you feel happy when you go to work each day. You feel like this career is the right one for you, that everything just works so much better for your life. Now, before I finish off and let you guys get about, you know, go about your day, I will mention where you can find me on social media if you would like to. The main place you can interact with me if you'd like to just chat or see what I'm posting about or, you know, get on my newsletter list or any of that kind of stuff, find me on Instagram. Um, Happy Little Biz is my username. Or, of course, you can head over to my website, happylittlebiz.com, and there's links to all that stuff there. All right, that's it. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll be back at you soon.